Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Our reading today is from Genesis 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. John Lennon um, uh, has said, and said like later on in, in his, their career, even post-Beatles, that one of his favorites, one of the ones he was most proud of, was help. You guys know help? Help. Help. Not just anybody. You want to keep going? Help. <laughs> you know I need someone, right? Uh, when I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. You guys, you know the tune, right? You, 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 it uh, resonates. Maybe you're familiar with it. Interestingly, do you guys, you guys remember the video? It's the, they're sitting on this like plank bench, sort of in a line, their heads behind one another. I have, I have footage of it here, a GIF. Is a GIF, a GIF, I don't know what, uh, yeah. It's just going to go over and over again. So if you're waiting for it to advance, <laughs> this is it. Right, so the whole video is these guys, we can leave it up here for a minute to distract you, but they're sitting on this bench uh, singing these lyrics, and at one point snow comes down, Ringo's in the back just kind of holding an umbrella, not really sort of doing anything. Uh, Lennon is earnest up front, and then periodically, like Paul McCartney's the only one sort of hamming it up in the back, George Harrison gives us some interesting looks, but uh, you know, it's interesting to me sort of this image against lyrics like uh, help, I need somebody, not just anybody, help, I, I need uh, someone when I was younger, so much younger than today, I didn't need help, but now, right, these things about insecurity and uh, this, this sort of, there is this through line of like a, a genuine need for help, but against this backdrop, I feel like I, I hear it differently. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but this doesn't feel like any moment in my life when I've needed to genuinely ask for help, right? This is never how it comes across or how it feels, right? Asking for help is not a posture that comes easily to us, right? It, 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 it speaks of vulnerability. There's awkwardness involved, uh, particularly in our, I, I don't know, sort of culture. It, it's, we, it's not a move we frequently want to make not a move that comes naturally to us, not at least, right, since Genesis chapter 3. As we've been reading the stories, these first foundational stories that will uh, uh, 
foundations of grace that take us into the story of the gospel, uh, we see pretty early on the posture of, of dependence, of needing for, uh, needing and asking for help is one that we frequently resist, right? We, we resist. We're not comfortable with it. I heard uh, one author describe this scene in Genesis 11 as the first piece of dystopian literature, right? Sort of the dark side, just some context, the dark side of like human sort of cultural pretension. Here is humanity coming together. We've seen sort of their story as individuals and the, the, the heart's propensity to sort of push back and, and not need or ask for help. And now here collectively we see it given expression in a way that, uh, again, sort of hints at a maybe darker uh, underbelly. You get the sense that Eden is gone, right? The Eden of Genesis 3 is past, and whatever paradise humanity can create and build brick by brick to, to make a name for ourselves in this passage feels el elusive. It's, it's a kind of like, uh, as we hear and heard the story, a corporate experience of what felt personal with Adam in the, in the garden. Whatever sort of pessimism flowed out of that moment about sort of the human heart's ability to kind of go its own way uh, continues. It's not surprising then that we see that same sort of um, insight in this moment when we look at humanity together and what we build as a culture. There's all sorts of potential. The passage even acknowledges it, that there's possibility here, but running through all of that is a, a hint, a tinge of, of selfishness or self-justification or pride or dysfunction. As the story continues, this moment from the Tower of Babel, Babylon will, will become a kind of in, in, in empirical sort of personification of, of evil, this, the, the heart's turn to sort of go its own way and, 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 and make its mark in the world. And repeatedly throughout the rest of the pages of the story, Babylon will come to be emblematic of that move uh, in our hearts as individuals, but also as people together all the way to the end, as we'll see in just a few moments, which raises the sort of question for me as we hear the story as it's been read to us this morning, and perhaps along with it, we hear the Beatles singing, help, I need someone, as they bounce up and down <laughs> sort of jovially on this uh, bench. What, what is our sort of response? Where do we hear sort of our place in that story? I want to suggest to you and me that our heart's natural posture, uh, particularly after Genesis chapter 3 and the fall, is, is to say, uh, thanks, but we, we got this, right? Like, th this is sort of, that's a, that's a space we're comfortable with. Thanks for the offer, but I got it. I, I got this. We got this. We hear it in our reading this morning, verses 3 and 4. The, the refrain is, let us, let us, let us make, let us build, let us construct a city, let us, let us make a city, a tower, in verse 4, so that we can make a name for ourselves. We've, we've got this. Right? We've, we've got this. Whatever we lost the pages previously, together, now, we've got this. Much has been said about the nature of this 
uh, endeavor, this building up of um, uh, the Tower of Babel, these stairs to the, the gate of the gods, which the word means. It's a, is it a grasp at security, right? Let's build a city where uh, we are secure. Is it a, a reach for significance as we make a name? We want to leave an impression. We, we want, you know, sort of lasting significance, maybe legacy, whatever sort of the nuances of that are, whatever those uh, reaches may be in your heart and mind this morning, the, the move of the story is that our response to all of those is to say, we got this. We got it. Thanks, but I'm, I'm good. We got it. Otherwise, right, so they're reaching, they're building, they're, they're building a tower in verse 4. Otherwise, it says uh, that they say, we will be scattered, which, interestingly, was, was precisely the point Three times previously in the buildup to this moment, in chapter 8, verse 17, in chapter 9, verse 1, and then in chapter 10, verse 32, immediately prior to this moment that we read, we hear the instruction in some form or variation, fill the earth, disperse, scatter, cover, spread over the earth, m multiply, grow, take uh, this relationship you have with me into the creation that I have given you, go. And, and yet here we we see collectively the human pull, the heart's pull to well, we we got this and we hunker down and we build bricks and, and we make a name for ourselves. Shortly after moving here, we were, uh, my kids were maybe three, I took them to the zoo, uh, the Kansas City Zoo. Any fans? Whoop, whoop. Yeah, it's a big one, right? And by big, I mean very long to walk around, right? We, we, I, it was just me and the, 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 the girls were little, and we made the mistake. We, we went to the, like, safari end of things, which was a mistake. My second mistake was summertime. So you're, I don't know, I obviously wasn't thinking, right? But we get around that loop in the back. We're on the, we're on the path trying to make, I mean, we are a long way from the entrance and the car and, you know, relief, right? And one of my children just, like, she was done, melted down, just, like, on the cement, like, the, 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 the pavement, down, you know, I'm out. Why, you know, why are we here? In her little three-year-old existential mind, what have you done to me, right? Like, what's going on? And, and I feel a bit of that move in the reading here. Again and again, God is, in, in this moment, right after Genesis 3, like we, go, spread, go, and, and you can feel them just kind of hunker down like a toddler, right? God says, go, and, 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 and multiply, cover the earth, and the, the, the heart's pool is to, is, to, is to just sit, to hunger. It's, as one uh, author described, the oldest and most original sin, the sin of self-confidence. We, we got this. We got this personally, relationally, civically, culturally, politically. We got this. My people got this. My streams got this. We got this. Uh, St. Augustine, who wrote early on in the life of the church, um, uh, early church history, uh, wrote, you know, he, he put it like this, that the lust for power or control ends up being the power that controls us. This desire for control, like we see perhaps in the Tower of Babel, we uh, got this, is eventually what controls uh, us. Maybe it's pride, right? Maybe Maybe this strikes a nerve with you. You're like, man, I was going to go home and build a tower this afternoon, right? You're like, 
He, he got me. He read my mail this morning. The arrogance of such self-assurance is probably not how it plays out in your life or mine. But I just would invite you to consider, to think about it. Where do you feel that pull towards, ah, I've got this. I, I wonder if sometimes it's, it's not at play in insecurity. When we know we don't have it. And we feel the pressure to look like we, we do. And so brick by aching brick, we build up the sort of facade. We got this. Maybe it's about the anxiety we carry or the struggle in our lives in this moment, the weight that sort of burdens us down in the morning, the secret, perhaps the sin, the relationship, whatever the sort of context in our life where we, we've got it. I can build the security I need here. I can make this work. To use the song lyric of some group, I don't know, like see us waving from such great heights. Like we, we got this. But here's the thing. Here's the sad truth that this story will pull us into. You can build all the towers you want. We can build, but all of our towers have, have, a, have a lean to them. None of them can sustain the weight of security significance that we crave, that we put upon them. None of them. In fact, those are all things we had in relationship with God. And in response to that, we said, no, thanks, we got this. And now all of that weight, the, the, the pressure for those things for which our hearts ache and crave individually and together, we now, we now put into all the towers. We try to build brick by brick, and then all of them, all of them have a, a lean, are um, broken. None of them able to hold up under that weight. Which, which maybe leaves you to wonder this morning, perhaps I'll just say I wonder, maybe you. Right, what's God's reaction to all of that? What's his reaction to that in this story? Uh, in your experience of faith, perhaps your friends or family members or neighbors as you think about Jesus and your experience with him, what, what is the reaction uh, to our reaction to sort of how we think God responds to all of this. I think, I think we might perhaps think sometimes God's response is something like, well, you got it. You can have it, right? The way I responded to my child at the zoo, right? Oh, yeah, you don't want to go? Seal it. No, I didn't do that, right? <laughs> like a, you can... You can have it. And I think sometimes that's our understanding. What, however we relate to faith, you know, if at all, when we think about God, maybe you or your friends, it's like, you know, if he's real at all, whatever, this mess is mine. I got to do it. I got this. If he's involved at all, it's something like, well, you can, you can have it. You can have it. But I, remarkably, that is not the image, the picture we get of the character of God in this story. This is not... What happens, even in this moment in the Tower of, of Babel, God in his grace responds repeatedly to the human sort of impulse to push him away. He responds. Yes, there are consequences to that self-assurance, but God refuses to leave us, you and me, to it. He responds and says something like, why don't you let me take it from here? Where our hearts are repeatedly like, we got this, we got this. And maybe you think God's reaction to that is like, fine, you can have it. The gospel tells us, and we see it even here. God says, well, actually, no, why don't you let me take it 
from here. There's some, the, the, the passage, as is read for us, is full of sort of humor, right? And, and maybe we, you know, it gets lost on us in language and whatnot, but, but there's a lot of like, uh, it's present there to us. For, for example, right, it's, they, they use the language, let us. That's language we've heard before, right? Let us build and make a name for ourselves. Well, we, we've heard that language before, God saying, let us make. Uh, and then even here in the passage in verse 7, uh, God saying, let us come down. So the people in the story, let us build, let us clamor and climb up. And God says, well, actually, let, let us come uh, down. There's, you know, there's humor in the telling here that in all of their pride to sort of build their way up to security, a stairway to heaven, so to speak, to reach such great heights. Even there, God's, God is, is, is so far above all of those things, he's still, he is coming down to reach them. And here is where I think I want to suggest to you this morning, if uh, there's one thing you take away uh, from what is sung and said today, what, what I, I want to say is sort of where all of this takes us, the truth that reverberates in this passage and will continue to reverberate throughout the pages of the story, and I hope and pray into the pages of your life and mine as well, is that we see a glimpse of it here that, that, that while we're busy sort of clamoring up, trying to build up security and all those things, we're busy sort of clamoring up. God and his grace is, is graciously climbing down to meet you and me in the midst of all of this brokenness and rescue us. I, I just want you to consider a couple of maybe like, we'll call them thematic, I don't know, ties in the story as it continues. Right, the people say, maybe like you and me, you know, let us make a name for ourselves. You're maybe not building a tower in your backyard, but you're in some way trying to leave your mark on the world, maybe proje projecting yourself into your kids or, you know, all the ways in which you do it. Maybe it's vocational, maybe it's career, maybe it's all these ways in which we, we like, uh, you know, I, I'm going to make a, a, a name for myself. Right? They say, let us make a name. Interestingly, just the, the next page in the story, right, after God comes down and disrupts this plan, he, we'll see the story next week, but he calls a man named Abraham. Right, in his grace, he calls a man named Abram, and he, he says to him, I will make your name great. I, I, I will make your name great. This isn't something you clamor up to do. I will come down to you and work. I will make your name great. That, that move in us to either, we'll either make a name for ourselves, right? We'll, we'll, we'll construct an identity for ourselves. We'll build it. It'll define who we are, our worth, our significance, our uniqueness, all of those things. We can, we can go through the effort of trying to construct and build that ourselves, or we can receive what God in his grace has come down to work and give to us. I will make your name. I'll take you a little further in the story, right? So, uh, the Tower of, of Babel. Uh, Babel is, you know, it literally means straight to uh, uh, the gate of God, right? So you get the, the imagery here. They're building this tower to the heavens, the gate of God. A little bit later, Abram's grandson, all right, a a Abram's grandson, Jake, Jacob, has this radical encounter with, with God shows up to him. And in this moment, this, this dream, this vision, God um, stares to, to heaven and angels ascending and, and descending. And God in this moment shows up to Jacob and says, I am with you, beside you. I will go with you. And in response to that moment, Jacob will say, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
right? So again, uh, just thematically laid alongside this, this move in us to sort of build our way up, we see God coming down to promise his people that in his grace, while we're clamoring up, he is coming down to make a name for you, to be with Jesus himself will pick up this image later in John's gospel. And Nathaniel, one of the disciples who's a skeptic, he's like, I don't know, early in the story. Um, and, and Jesus will reference this moment. I am that house. Angels ascending. I am here with you. I am the way. I am that gate. It's as if he says to us, to you, to me, all of our clamoring and building brick by brick. Oh, man, I know you think you got this, but why don't you let me take it from here? are clambering up, and all the while, God is climbing down. It, it shows up again in the final scene, and, and, and this is sort of, you know, the end of the story in Revelation. Picks up these themes on a, a couple of different ways. On the one hand, we see every uh, nation, tribe, and language in, in Revelation celebrated in worship to God. You know, a gracious a moment that sort of points all the way back to this gracious intervention from God as he scatters the people across the earth. But also in Revelation, you hear this language, of, uh, it uses the language that the, the evils of Babylon are rising up to heaven. And in response or in contrast that the holy city, God's presence is coming down out of heaven. Right? You, you feel the, the, the movement here. We think it's about what we can build, the righteousness we can construct, the goodness we can sort of muster up in our lives, the bricks we can lay brick by brick by brick clamoring up. And God says, oh, let me give you some rest from that. I'm coming down. You don't have to make your name. I, I, I will make you. He speaks, if you'll allow me, the gracious word, it is finished. He speaks it at Babel. Right, he confuses their language. They leave it sort of semi-constructed. They're, they're done. They're coming. Verse 8, you know, the Lord scattered them from there across the face of the entire earth, and they stopped building the city. You can almost picture it in ruins, right, as the image, the feeling we get. He scattered them across the face of the earth. Their resistance to sort of step into what he was asking them to do, he in his grace intervened and said, it is finished and, and scattered them. He speaks that same word on the cross to you and me so insistent on our own independence, right? So, so caught up in the sort of stance that says, we got this, so desperate to build our own towers to heaven that when the help of heaven finally shows up, we, we crucify it. And I, I want to suggest to you this morning that he says it to you too, in, in, in your heart and life, to every leaning tower that you are trying to build in your life, God says the same gracious word, it is finished. You can give up that game, right? You can, you can lay those bricks down. You, you don't have to clamor up. Jesus is humbling himself to come alongside you, to say to you, it's finished. Why don't you let me take that? Why don't you let me take it from here? So the Beatles... Yes? Any other favorite songs that didn't get named earlier? How's that for a non sequitur? <laughs> right? You know, uh, you guys, you, you, you hear the tune. I thought about playing it for you, but you're like, help, I need somebody. Right? It's very, uh, 
It's chipper and jovial. It's full of joy, despite the sort of lyrical angst, right? Um, you know, it, interestingly, and, and you can find it, there's a re- recording of John Lennon, again, who later in his life said of all the things they wrote, this, this was, song was in, in some sense a first sort of break from all the sort of happy, clappy stuff about girls and all that stuff. Like, help seemed like a, a shift, right, lyrically for, for them. But as in interviews, even, even later, talked about this song and why he thought it was sort of one of their, uh, one of his uh, favorites. And says, you know, essentially in, in the interviews, because, because he meant it, the sort of astronomical success, all that they had built to that point with the Beatles felt like a weight. It couldn't hold, right? It couldn't, it couldn't hold up against sort of all that he was asking it to carry. And that he's like, this was a genuine cry for, for help. And, and in fact, there's a recording, uh, you, you can Google it, uh, there's a recording of, of, of Lennon himself at, at the piano uh, tr- trying to play it. And it has a very different sound, almost uh, haunting. He misses notes. He can't find uh, the words. It feels mournful. It feels uh, genuine. You can hear Yoko Ono in, in the background saying, this is not how it goes. He's like, no, right? This, this, this is... This is what it's meant to convey, help, help. It it strikes to me a more authentic note of what it means for any of us to sort of admit we don't have this. I think sometimes we think church is a place where everybody's got it, right? Like, you you get cleaned up and whatever, we come to church. This is a bunch of people who got it. We got it. But, But the invitation of the story of the Tower of Babel, the gospel to you and me, as to sort of give up all those sort of uh, playful, sort of half-hearted takes at asking for help. To confess that underneath all of that, my heart is just as broken and bent and selfish as yours. Bent towards saying to God and everybody else, I, I got this. The good news of the gospel is that in the midst of all of that, God in his grace continually shows up to you and me, no clearer than in the good news of Jesus, and says, you don't have to climb, you don't have to clamber up. I'm, I'm going to climb down to you. I'm, I'm going to climb down to you. It, it is, I think, to turn finally to confess. To finally, as one author put it, to turn to the one from whom all blessings flow. I want to ask you guys to stay. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.